And we're back. Welcome to Worldwide Refuge. I know we've been gone for a long time, haven't we? I'm your host, Braxton Knight, and along with me is your co-host, JJ Speck. So, today, we have a very special guest, Brother Samuel Vaughn. Welcome, Brother Samuel. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me today. Yes, sir. No problem. No problem. So, we're just going to dive right into it like we usually do. We're glad to be back. We're glad to have JJ back. We're glad. We're just glad to be here. We have been busy. We've came back from. I've came back from GMC. We had Camp Yaddle with Brother Ron. We had bro, uh, Brother James Wilson as well. Powerful week and a powerful week at GMC as well. And just so you know, Brother uh, Samuel Vaughn is the skeetball champ. He's the. He beat <laughs> yes, me sir. in everything we played. So. <laughs> I mean, he's just the greatest, I guess. I, I respect that you're an honest man, brother. brother <laughs> yeah, you beat me in uh, air hockey as well. So <laughs> I got a little cocky, I'm not going to lie. And I thought I could beat him. Couldn't. You got close. I'll give you respect. And Get he's close. also a very good basketball player. Don't let him lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody gets lucky every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just going to dive right into the first question, if that's okay with you. Yes, sir. All right. Um, so what was your journey like to become a minister? Yeah, man, I'll start off by saying thanks again for having me. Uh, it was great connecting with you at uh, Camp Yacht and GMC. So thanks for inviting me to be part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I went and looked, and um, I know you guys have had a lot of great speakers, so I, I counted uh, an honor to be here. Uh, my journey as a minister, um, my dad a preacher longer than I've been alive and so it's always my dream to be like my dad and follow in his footsteps so I kind of just always knew as a kid I wanted to be a preacher but I didn't get my calling until I was about 16 years old at a youth camp felt the call of God and an altar call to preach the gospel and uh, over different uh, youth services and different youth camps the following years God would just confirm that over and over so always had a desire to preach, but from a very young age, I was always just around the church, always working in the church. Um, my dad uh, pastored for a few years. And so during that season, you know, as a pastor's kid, I was always at church, whether, you know, just hanging out in the nursery bored out of my mind as an eight year old or, you know, finding something to do, you know, being put to work, I would vacuum, change garbage. I would, uh, sweep the under the pews we had hardwood floors in the sanctuary believe it or not yeah and so i kind of just did everything I learned how to play drums at i think nine years old wow. um not really you know thought that would happen um just as it worked out our drummer up and left the church and so we didn't have a drummer anymore <laughs> so yeah <clears throat> my mom threw me on the drums said you know kind of showed me a few beats and kind of went from there so just grew up in church, man. I, I, I love the church. I've been in, in church all my life. I thank God for my heritage. Um, thank God for my apostolic heritage. I thank the Lord for parents that instilled a desire to serve. Mm. Many, 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 many years before I ever got behind a pulpit, serving you know, in, in the menial, the menial tasks, you know, mm-hmm. you know, cleaning the church and, you know, kids ministry, nursing home ministry, you know, the things that people look at is, you know, well, I'm too good for that. Mm-hmm. That's where I cut my teeth. So, um, <clears throat> I received the call to preach, um, graduated from high school, went to the university of Georgia while I was there. Um, received the call to start a campus ministry chapter. So a friend of mine and I, we started that together and, uh, started a campus ministry there at UGA and, um, you know, started really learned how to start teaching Bible studies in that season as a 19 year old, um, started teaching Bible studies, started figuring out how to put a lesson together, how to reach the lost. Mm. And, uh, it was through CMI that, um, I really started to get an understanding of how to, how to minister the gospel to people. So, and that was probably a year or two before I actually stood behind a pulpit at all. I was, uh, I don't know, 21, 22 years old before I actually preached my first message. So, um, you know, I just kind of found, found a place to serve and the Lord began to open doors. My pastor's wife sit me down and, and explained that 
uh, even though I had a call in my life to preach, you know, you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. So even though I was working in campus ministry, she said that they had a need in the kids department and asked me to um, join the team. And so I uh, started working on the kids ministry team and uh, also started working in nursing home ministry around the same time. Um, and so, you know, just, just kind of cut my teeth in, in those areas. So again, just look, you know, looking for a place to serve. And, uh, that was all before I preached my, my first message from a pulpit. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful what God's done from there. Um, my local ministry license, uh, with the assemblies of Lord Jesus Christ in 2015. And ever since then, God has just opened different doors for us to minister. And so I'm very thankful what God's done and uh, very undeserving, but very grateful. Wow. And like you said, some people think that work like that is beneath them. I feel like that's where some of our kids nowadays and like in this generation, they get messed up. They want to run straight to the pulpit and they just want to, I want to, if they're called to preach to hell, like I want to preach now, no matter what, like, I don't, I don't want to go and like, spend years doing cleaning the bathrooms or mopping right and they just want to go straight to the pulpit and think they're gonna preach the next camp yada or the next gmc or the next nyc and ayc whatever before they even do like i don't want to say grunt work but like work that sure. takes time and like and ministry isn't like it's a scalpel not a what is it the name of it uh a two-edged sword. You're not going to go into surgery with right. a sword. You're going to go into it with a scalpel with precision. Precision, and you need right. precision, Absolutely. and you need time to just grow deeper in God. You don't want to just hop into the first. You know, like you said, you're. They made you wait before they put you behind a pulpit. They don't want like some little yeah. kid running around up there not knowing what he's doing. They wanted a man that a man of God that knew what he was doing and knew how to touch souls. Mm -hmm. Right. But it comes down to faithfulness, Brother Braxton. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a scripture that uh, the, the Bible says, you know, if you're faithful with the small things, God can trust you with the, the larger things. Mm. Paraphrasing, of course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you can prove yourself faithful with something, a task you might think might be beneath you, Mm -hmm. ultimately you can be trusted with something greater but if you can't be trusted on to show up and cut the grass when you say you'll do mm -hmm. it or you know if you think you're too good to change a garbage can here and there or take the dirty diaper and the diaper genie out of the nursery and take it to the dumpster yeah. you know how in the world can you be trusted with someone's eternity mm -hmm. because when you get behind a pulpit there is a sincere gravity mm -hmm. uh, honestly sometimes it's 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 terrifying you know, you can misspeak and offend someone or turn them off to the gospel. It could take years, if not the rest of their life, to overcome what you just said if, you, if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. And so if you can't be trusted with something small, you certainly can't be trusted when you're given the opportunity to affect someone's eternity. So, you know, if, if you learn humility... You'll, you'll learn to understand that the Word of God is so powerful and that the power of life and death mm -hmm. really does reside in the tongue. Mm -hmm. And so when you've given the opportunity to share the Word of God to a congregation, whether it's a local congregation, a youth camp, a camp meeting, a district youth revival, whatever it might be, you'll have that same humility that you earned in the, you know, in the, uh, you know, the grass cutting duty or the, the life kids, you know, kids ministry duty. Mm -hmm that same humility will come to play when you're delivering the word of God. Yeah. Wow. And I have something to add to that. Do you think that kids nowadays, I don't want to say kids, but like young, young adults, do you think they just want to be the next Samuel Vaughn, the next James Wilson, the next, uh, just put in a great man of God here. They just want to be that without doing what they went through, without doing all the pain and suffering that they went through to get to where they are now. Well, I don't know that anybody wants to be like Samuel Vaughn, but James Wilson, I can definitely, uh, I want to be like James Wilson. Um, you know, I don't know that it's a generational thing, Brother Braxton. Mm -hmm. I think it's just human nature. Yeah. Um, we don't like, we don't like the process. Mm. Um, our microwave society where we get instant results, you know, we don't have to sit there and grow the food, harvest the food, clean the food. 
cook the food, prepare the food, lay it out on the table. You know, it's a process. You know, it's not a two minute, here's my dinner type thing. Yeah, we want to be a, um, hot, pocket, a hot pocket generation. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll give you a little bit of a personal story. When I was, I believe, 18 or 19 years old, you know, I had the call to preach, wanting to preach and never, pre- never given the opportunity to preach at this point. Um, I had somebody my age, a counterpart, who uh, was given opportunities to preach in a different different uh, state. We knew each other and connected and everything. And um, he began to get opportunities to, to preach um, youth services, to preach district uh, services, youth services, mm-hmm. began to evangelize, uh, got a pretty substantial following on social media. And I would catch myself, honestly, and I repented of this, <clears throat> I would catch myself well, you know, why why is he getting all these opportunities? Mm-hmm. Why am I not getting these opportunities? You know, why am I having to serve, mm-hmm. you know, in the youth class? Or why am I having to serve in this ministry or that ministry? And nobody knows my name. I'm not getting an opportunity to preach even on a local church level, much less a district level. Mm-hmm. And I battle with that comparison. I battle with pride. Mm-hmm. I let I let the Lord work that out of my system. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I probably would have looked at this situation now uh, with kind of spitefulness, but sadly, the minister's no longer even serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to pass judgment. I, I don't know why, but I do believe that I remember uh, uh, Pastor Mark Brown telling the story where he was in a similar position. He wasn't getting an opportunity to preach, and God gave him a vision of fireworks and told him that. You know, some people burn really bright for a long time. Ultimately, it's only for a short time. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if you want to make a difference and shine a light, you need to get a fire burning. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think sometimes, you know, um, not only are these, 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 you know, if I could say that like this, these tasks that are beneath us, so to speak, which they're really not, but we think they are sometimes. I think not only they teach us humility, but God uses these seasons to put things inside of us. And I remember my pastor having a conversation with me about this. Um, he, he referenced this very well-known preacher. You know, probably everybody in Pentecost would know his name. He said for the first nine years of his ministry, he didn't preach. He just studied the Word of God mm-hmm. and just studied the Word of God. And now he's a he's a world-renowned preacher. So. I think there's something to be said. I don't think it's a generational thing. I don't think it's a millennial generation or Gen Z or Gen Alpha. I think it's just human nature. But if you embrace the process, if you embrace the opportunities God gives you right now, you'll be able to sustain the weight of the responsibilities he'll give you in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to the next question. As a minister, how do you grow your calling that God has placed on you? <clears throat> How do you grow your calling? I think um, a lot of what we've talked about already, you look for an area to serve right now. Where's the need of my local church? Maybe it's something you can tell, you know, you see there's a need. Or maybe it's you go to your pastor or pastor's wife and say, hey, where do you need me to serve? And they'll tell you, hey, we need somebody to sing in the choir, you know. I think finding a place right now, uh, where, you know, what's the need? I remember Pat, uh, Pastor Chad Erickson telling uh, a few years ago in a message he preached, and his, his family had a whole missions work, and they needed a drummer, so he learned how to play the drums, you know. Um, it wasn't something he wanted to do. It's something he needed to do because there was a need. So <clears throat> I think finding the immediate need, as well as um, um, dedicating yourself to spiritual disciplines, which is prayer, fasting and bible study mm-hmm. um enough cannot be preached about those three disciplines but especially if you're going to be a man or a woman of god you need to study the word of god mm-hmm. study it not just re- read it to, in order to study for a message but every single day have some type of di- uh, some type of daily bible reading plan uh, where you're getting the Word of God in you. If it's a specific topical Bible study or you're studying one book at a time, or it's a, you know, I personally do a, a plan where I read the Bible in a year, every year. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to get the Word in you. 
spend time reading it, be consistent about it. Um, if you do those things that you'll find great success. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, uh, what you're saying about read the Bible, not to get sermons, but just to go deeper and knowing him. I was listening to this podcast yesterday. It was, um, the apostolic voice by Ryan French. And he was saying, he was like, yes. he was saying exactly what you were saying. He was like, I don't read the Bible just to get a message or to preach yes. the next camp meeting or whatever. He just says, I read the Bible so I can get deeper with God. And I feel that's like it. that's the thing that young ministers, even I'm guilty of it myself sometimes. Whenever I think that I'm like, God, give me a message to preach. I'm like, I'm, I should be doing that. I should be asking. I should be like, God, where do you want me to be right now in your word, Lord? Where, What scripture yeah. are you leading me to? Not just for a message or a sermon, just for just for me that I need in my life at this moment and something that someone else needs that I don't even need. Yes, right. I agree, man. That's it. And I'm a, I'm a huge for, uh, fan of, of brother Brian French, mm-hmm. huge fan of him. <laughs> He's the one that inspired me to do this podcast. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Moving on to the next question. We have, uh, what is your advice? What advice would you give to a young <clears throat> minister or a young person that is like grow trying to grow not trying to grow the ministry but just trying to go deeper in god what are some things that you would want to tell them and like advice that you would like to give yeah i would say um aside from what we've already talked about i would say be very careful who you surround yourself with Mm. um you know uh brother james wilson preached a message the first night of camp yada uh, the impossible friendship between Doeg and David. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how, you know, those two characters in the Bible were going different directions. And, and he preached about, you have to be careful who you, who you become friends with, who you allow to influence your life, mm-hmm. because it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. It can make a difference in a negative way. Or in a positive. My pastor says all the time, friends, and I'll show you your future. Mm. So, if you surround yourself with people who are negative, complaining, and always criticizing the church, the work of God, the man of God, if you surround yourself people, surround yourself with people who are spiritual deadbeats and have no desire or ambition to get closer to the Lord, mm-hmm. you're going to really struggle to rise out of that. Mm. Wow. You are who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. If you surround yourself forgive the directness, but if you surround yourself with a bunch of spiritual losers, then, mm-hmm. then you're going to be a spiritual loser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you that's, know, it's just the truth. Facts. Um, you know, it works the same way in a positive direction. If you surround yourself with people who are godly, who are compassionate, who love the Lord, who love the church, who are submitted to the man of God, who don't like the gossip, who don't like to sow discord, mm-hmm. who, who are soul winners, Surround yourself with a soul winner. I'm telling you what, nothing will inspire you more to live for God than being around somebody who is passionate about winning souls and teaching Bible studies. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a great young minister, if you want to be a powerful, effective young minister, surround yourself with somebody who is passionate about, about the lost, about winning souls. Because if you get a fire for the lost, it's going to take care of a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. It's going to erase that lack of ambition it's going to erase negativity and criticism if you surround yourself with people that are on fire for god it's going to do you know it's going to take you to next to the next level um and i've got some other thoughts i'll probably share for one of our later questions that relate to that but i think i think that's absolutely key um spend time studying preachers Mm -hmm. um when i first started even before I started preaching, I started really, really paying attention to how different ministers put together a sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, I would listen to all kind of preachers on YouTube, apostolic preachers. I'd listen to people like Pastor Paul McGee, one of my favorite preachers in the whole world. I would study uh, people like, of course, my pastor, Pastor Tim Hammond, who's the greatest preacher to ever walk the earth. Uh, I disagree I'd with you there. I'd study people like, like uh, Pastor Jonathan Vasquez. Yeah. Um, study people like Bishop Kenneth Carpenter. Mm. I mean, you, you name it. Um, you know, listen to how they preach. Pastor Nate Whitley, my mm-hmm. goodness, Pastor James Chester. I could just go through a whole list of people that I've really, really studied 
uh, how they put their sermons together, how they transition from point to point, mm-hmm. how they set up introductions based on a different type of audiences. Um, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I like to study anyways. Um, you know, it's the equivalent of somebody who's passionate about being a good football player. They're going to study film. Yeah. You know, that's what I would do. I would, I'd, I'd watch videos, listen to podcasts, listen to, um, messages, podcast messages from great preachers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched probably every because of the times message that's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just became a nerd. So I would say, I would say be careful who you surround yourself with and uh, do everything you can to study great preachers. And to add on to that a little bit, um, not only is it your friends that could, that we'd be able to see your future in, but like also the stuff you watch, you gotta be careful with that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you're all, I say this, YouTube is the worst and best gift that God has given us on the phone because you can either listen to sermons all day or you can waste your day away watching YouTube, like random videos that you would, that you wouldn't be watching otherwise. So just be careful. And like me and my, I regret this, but me and my pastors, my pastor and my pastor's wife, we like, when we were at GMC, they were like, you can just go in there and check your screen time. Everyone's checking their screen time. And me, I'm the youngest (laughs) there. So I was like, I looked at mine. It wasn't that bad. It was like, 10 hours everyone else is yeah. like five three two i was like what how do y'all do that and they're like we just don't we don't watch anything we don't we don't go on there we don't we don't te- we text a lot that's why our phone is like that the two hours i'm like lord jesus i feel so bad right now <laughs> because like i'm sitting like five four three hours on youtube and then not even to add on to what my playstation has my playstation is probably about to die <laughs> i mean how long i'll play it oh yeah yeah but you just got to be careful with the things you watch, especially nowadays. Everything has an agenda with it, especially like everything. You think Disney Channel doesn't have an agenda? They do. Everything has oh, yeah. an agenda going on nowadays. And just absolutely <clears throat> going on to the next question. Uh, Next question is how to grow your courage to ask for help. Yeah, how to how to grow your courage to ask for help, um, regardless of the circumstance, whether um, you know if you're in a, a financial situation or um, you know you're stressed, you know in your mind if you're struggling with mental health, but especially if you're struggling with sin, I think you have to get to a point where you decide I've got to get better mm-hmm. because if you don't get there, help you. And it's a waste of your time. Honestly, mm-hmm. the waste of their time too. I think getting the courage to ask help, you have to decide that enough is enough. I've been stuck in this for too long. Um, when you get desperate enough to get better, the courage uh, to reach out and ask for help, and I think there's absolutely no shame in asking for help. Again, if, if it's, you know, something you're dealing with mental health or financially, spiritually, or certainly if, if you're struggling with sin, you know, we are not, we were not designed to be isolated. Mm. Even back in the garden of Eden, Adam was given a help meet because we were not, we are not designed to sustain isolation. We can't do stuff on our own. Mm-hmm. And we certainly can't beat certain things on our own. We have to rely on the body of Christ. We have to build each other up on our most holy faith. We have to confess our faults one to another. So if we are not relying on the body of Christ and we're trying to beat whatever it is that we're trying to overcome by ourselves, we're going to keep falling short of that. Mm-hmm. So once you get to a point where you've had enough of of stress or destruction or dysfunction, you find the courage to reach out and ask for help. Mm, wow. So do you think, oh, let me tell I'll tell you a story first. I was, went to Mid's sure. conference, uh, 2021, I think it was. And there was a man, he was, <clears throat> he was telling his testimony and he was like, I got to the point where I just hit rock bottom. He said he left 
he told his pastor, he told his pastor, he told his wife everything that he has been doing. Yeah. And he left and he just broke down. He cried. And like that, it gets yeah. to a point where if you don't stop it, then it's going to overtake you and it's going to get to the point where it, there's no, there is a return, but like there's no, like you've yeah. already, everything's been done. Like either you're going to hit rock bottom or you're going to stop before you hit, hit rock, hit rock bottom. Sorry. Yes. No, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Uh, and I, I was at that men's conference. I remember that that was a powerful session. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what it takes, brother. I mean, you really can't help someone that doesn't want to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, you will frustrate yourself in ministry. If you try to help everybody. I mean, I remember, I remember when I first became a youth leader, actually this was right before I became officially a, a youth leader at our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a guy around my age that I really invested a lot of time in and, um, started to see some good fruit in his life and, um, you know, living for God. But after a while, he made a decision to, he didn't want to do that. And so ended up leaving our church and ended up going to another church. And, and now, I'm, from what I understand, he's, he's doing well, married, serving God. But at the time, frustrated because I had wasted so much time trying to help somebody who, at that point in their lives, did not want help. Mm-hmm. And I wasted time that I could have spent with young people that were desperate, that, that were hungry for God, desperate to grow. I could have worked with them. And so um, until you're ready to be, be better, better. And so once you hit that point of, of, like you said, of rock bottom, that's when you, you, you kind of make up your mind, you get enough courage to reach out and get the help you need. Wow. Mm-hmm. I agree with that completely. And not to shy away from that, but, like, do you think whenever people, I don't want to say young people because everyone has a point in their life where they hit that rock bottom, do you think when people hit that rock bottom that it, it like, takes them a while to realize that they've hit it? Like, a delay effect because they're, like, all this time I've been going through this sin, my my everything, my financials, everything, I've been going through it, everything's been fine. It hasn't been great, but it's been fine, so I think I'll be okay. And then they get to that point where they realize they're like, oh, no, nothing. That is not going to happen. Like, I need help. Do you think that it takes them a while to realize that? Yeah, I I think sometimes it does. Um, Really what we're talking about is pride, right? Mm -hmm. I I can do this on my own. I'm okay. I'm fine. I think – Everybody has their own tolerance, Mm -hmm. their pride of when, or stubbornness or whatever you want to call it, their strong will of when they're ready to let go and to ultimately surrender to the Lord and to the body of Christ Mm -hmm. to get help. Uh, I think it's different for everybody. Um, But, you know, there is that tendency of, especially if you start going your own way and there's not immediate consequences, you think, well, you know, I didn't lose everything, that I should be fine. Mm-hmm. I, I can come back from this. I can stop whenever I want to, mm-hmm. um, which is, is a very, very, very great, effective, unfortunately, lie of Satan mm-hmm. um, that you don't start suffering the consequences of sin if we're talking about sin, if that's what we're talking about in the context of this question. Um, you know, you don't feel those effects immediately until it's too late. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you've, you've fallen way further than you thought. But, you know, the beautiful thing about grace um, you know, you can't far too fall where God can't reach you. Mm-hmm. And if you are dedicated to a local church and to an organization that is committed to restoration, then uh, they will take the appropriate steps to make sure that you are restored and, and, mm-hmm. and prayed back through and, and back where you need to be in your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So moving on to the next question, what is your advice on dating as a young person, not just a young minister, but like a young person growing up in the church? Bro, this is, is probably, this is what I was alluding to a few questions ago about advice for a young minister. Mm-hmm. Um, Pastor Josh Wilson preached our camp several years ago. And he talked about the second greatest decision in your life. And, of course, he started with your first great, you know, most important decision is to live for God. Mm-hmm. But the second most important decision you'll ever make is who you marry. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> when you are dating, 
you have to have the idea or the mindset that you're not just dating simply to have somebody to date. Mm-hmm. You were you were dating with intention to marry. Mm. Now it might not be that that individual. I'm just going to speak as a guy. It might not be that young lady you're intending to marry, but you need to approach dating as a way of finding someone to marry. Mm-hmm. So the way you approach dating, the way that you approach, you know, asking the girl out, the way you approach how how long you're with her until you're ready to commit, everything needs to be done through that context and that filter of I'm looking for somebody to spend the rest of my life with. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be very wise. Uh, I hope and pray that that uh, I lived that <laughs> when I was yeah. dating. Um, I, I think I did a pretty good job, made a few mistakes here and there, but you know, I think overall I had a good reputation, mm-hmm. and I was very committed to guarding my reputation as dearly as my soul as a young minister. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to develop the reputation as somebody who's dating around or somebody who's just using their ministry and getting preaching opportunities so that they can have opportunities to find girls to date. Mm. Um, you, you don't want to have that reputation. You want to treat women with respect. Uh, and again, I know, you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, young ladies looking to be in the ministry, but I'm just speaking from the perspective of a of man, you know, I, I can't approach it from any other perspective, praise mm. God. And there's only two, by the way, amen. amen. Um, a man or woman. Um, you have to treat young ladies with respect. <clears throat> you have to, um, you know, if there's somebody you like and you get their number or you start talking on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, if it starts to get serious, uh, I would recommend you reach out to their youth pastor or their pastor. And, uh, if you don't know them, introduce yourself, um, learn a little bit about them. Um, but before you do that, anybody that I was ever interested in, if, I texted them for a few days or a week or so. I let my pastor know, mm-hmm. hey, I'm, I've been texting this girl, and he would start asking questions, you know, who is she, whose church does she go to? And um, he would do that because he would then call that pastor, especially uh, usually if he knew them, you know, mm-hmm. knew the pastor, he would call them and, and get the 411. And um, he would come back to me, and, you know, if, if that pastor said, hey, this young lady's not really in the right place to be dating, he would tell me, hey, you might want to just look somewhere else. Mm. And I'd say, yes, sir. And I'd, I'd end it. Uh, or if he said, hey, everything checks out. She seems like a good, you know, good young lady. And then I would keep going. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I would say, number one, run everything by your pastor. Mm-hmm. He's, he's your greatest outside of the Holy Ghost. He's the greatest gift God will ever give you to help you stay on the right track. Um, number two. I would say I would give the advice that um, I was given when I received my minister's license. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the bishops in our district told me to always stay in groups, mm. always stay in groups. Um, you, you can really impair the trajectory of your life by messing up, by getting alone with somebody of the opposite sex. Amen. Even if it's a pretty innocent situation to start with. Um, you just don't want to do that. Even if if nothing happens, if you don't have a witness to tell other people that nothing happened, you know, people can look at that and say, well, they were alone together. Of course, they're going to say nothing happened. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I made a commitment that, you know, this is just good standard advice. Never be alone with someone the opposite sex, whether it's, you know, in in a house alone. Absolutely. That should be a standard. Mm -hmm. Um, if we were alone together in the car, we, you know, we, we made sure we had the right accountabilities in place. We weren't staying out late. You know, we had somebody tracking our GPS and the phone or something like that. Um, stay in groups, stay in crowds. And, um, I think Bishop Carpenter said recently, nothing good happens after midnight. So, (laughs) you know, I, I would recommend not be hanging out after midnight. I'd recommend not be texting and calling and certainly FaceTiming after midnight, praise God. Um, cause there's something about the darkness that starts to affect your spirit and, and your speech. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, number two would be, you know, accountability, mm-hmm. um, in, uh, in how you spend time together. 
And uh, number three, this is this is a uh, personal play for my playbook. Uh, you don't necessarily have to do this if, or, you know, kind of change it up however you want. But yeah. I always had a personal rule that I would, um, if I started, you know, talking to somebody, I would, I would try to keep it under three weeks <clears throat> because after three weeks, you, you start to get a sense of that individual, if they're a good fit for you or not, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. within three weeks, you can definitely tell if you're attracted to them, if you enjoy talking to them, having a good time with them. Um, you know, in that time period, you know, you can get a sense of their spiritual walk, you know, are they the real deal or are they faking it? Um, and you, you know, you have conversations about, you know, what they feel called to their ministry. Does that align with what you feel God has called you to? Um, so that, that was kind of a rule for me. And, um, when I've met my wife, I met her at a campus ministry conference and we met, um, and started talking and our first date after we, you know, exchanged numbers and everything, mm-hmm. our first date was three weeks and one day after we started talking. You're on the deadline. 20. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of how I knew. And what I didn't realize is that she had the exact same rule. Wow. Had the exact same rule. And so. She called her pastor's wife, I think, either on the way to the date or after the date. And uh, she was like, you know, today's three weeks in one day, you know. Um, and so by then, of course, we knew that this was serious. And um, otherwise, you, what you don't want to do is you don't want to lead anybody on. Amen. You want to be respectful of a young lady's feelings, of her heart. And if you feel like it doesn't have any potential to be something serious, you owe it to her to, um, to end it as, as painful and, and, you know, hard, difficult that might be, it's going to be way more difficult on down the road. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was just a personal, a guideline that I used that worked out well for me. And, um, that, that would be the three pieces of advice I would give to somebody who's, who's looking to start dating. Wow. And, I know from experience about the uh, always stay in groups because I had a friend of mine. um, He was on a date with um, his eventual fiance that he's engaged to right now. He was like, hey, Braxton, you want to come hang out? He didn't tell me about it, but I was okay with it. (laughs) He was like, hey, Braxton, you want to come hang out? I was like, yeah, sure. Then he was like, I'm on a date. I just want you to be here. I was like, yeah, man, I completely understand. Because you never oh, know. Yeah. You never know how things are going to go down. You never know if someone oh, yeah. sees you. If someone sees you out, they're like, ooh, they're alone together. Ooh. And that's how the oh, gossiping yeah. gets started. And so you always want to That's eat. exactly right. That's My wife and I had so many different babysitters while we were dating and engaged. Yeah. Whether it was my sister or her best friend or, you know, my dad or whoever it was, you know, we always tried to have – we called them affectionately a babysitter with us and they were cool with it. You know, they were third wheeling and you know, we had a good time. So, um, yeah, that's a kudos. That, that's a good rule to have. Yeah, my best yeah. friend. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I was his babysitter. <laughs> All right. Moving on to <laughs> the next go. question. How, t- how to overcome stress and anxiety as a minister and to not let it take you over? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think it's, I think it applies even if you're not in the ministry, mm-hmm. obviously being in the ministry can be very stressful and in some ways different types of stress than if you're not in the ministry. But I think ultimately, um, number one, staying connected to God, mm. um, Having a prayer life will help you find a, a place of peace and casting your cares on him, knowing that at the end of the day, uh, Dr. Beth Bow says, you know, I am not the Christ, mm-hmm. quoting John the Baptist. I can't save anybody. I can't fix anybody's family problems. I can't heal anybody. All I can do is point them to Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when you're trying to counsel and, and disciple people, you know, just knowing that at the end of the day, all, all you can do is point them to Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I, I personally um, like to 
just kind of turn my brain off if I'm getting stressed. If I'm going to, you know, I might might pull up ESPN and watch watch a baseball game or a basketball game, just kind of tune out. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to go for a walk, you know, or, you know, go shoot some basketballs or something. Yeah. Um, you know, do some type of physical exercise. I, I used to work out and run pretty consistently. I don't do that anymore, so I can't necessarily tell anybody to do that. I'm not going to do it, but uh, I do know that that helps some people. Um, you know, just praying more is always good, but it's not always the answer. Um, you know, if you're feeling a physical stress, then a lot of times physical exercise can help counteract that, counteract that by releasing dopamine and endorphins in the brain. So um, that's good. And, and always having somebody to talk to as well, mm-hmm. whether that's your pastor or a, a mental health professional. Um, there's nothing wrong with getting Christian counseling. I would recommend if you are going to do it, go to a Christian counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a Christian counselor. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. There's no, there's no stigma. There's no negative connotation. doesn't mean you don't have enough faith or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It just means you're being proactive because if we're going to go to a doctor once a year for a physical checkup, why not go to somebody, you know, for Christian counseling for a mental checkup every once in a while. So you need to have an outlet. It doesn't necessarily have to be church related. It could be sports. It could be reading. It could be fishing. You have to have something that you enjoy doing, but also not not be afraid to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if it is if it is a clinical anxiety, we're talking about a mental illness. That is a whole different animal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very very much you know, if if you have a mental illness, you you definitely need to not only seek counseling, but you might need to seek psychiatric care as well, mm-hmm. and receive certain medication. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, doesn't mean you don't have enough faith for God to heal you. Um, you know, get direction and guidance from your pastor on, you know, the best resources in your area. But there's nothing wrong with that because if it's a clinical issue that God, for whatever reason, has not healed yet, it's perfectly fine to uh, to get that taken care of with medication if necessary. So um, I would say those would, that would be my advice for somebody dealing with anxiety and stress. Wow. And like you said, with the physical exercise, we had brother Nate Batson on here and he said the exact same thing as you. He was like, you need to not only pray, but also we, we need hobbies as well. We need hobbies to, to do, have fun. Not that church isn't fun, but like to let loose and just be not just young, but like just be humans, like basketball, running, fishing, we need those things to release dopamine, like you said, to have fun. And not that prayer doesn't work, but that you just need you need fun in your life. Not that prayer isn't. Yeah. But I just thought that was Absolutely. really cool that y'all said the same thing. That was really cool. And moving on to the next question. Mm-hmm. What has God led you to in preparation for this podcast? <clears throat> Brother, um, the last two weeks have been pretty powerful. Uh, I attended General Ministry Conference and uh, just heard some incredible teaching, incredible preaching. And then last week, we attended Strong Tire Youth Camp as our youth camp. Uh, That's when we take our students to. Mm -hmm. And so we heard some incredible preaching and teaching there as well. So God has just been putting a lot in my spirit the last few weeks. Um, I, I, it'd be hard to really pinpoint one thing. Um, God's just been really, really empowering, but I think kind of what we've talked about, um, just preparing yourself as a young minister, um, doing the necessary things to get ready for that. Um, again, you know, prayer, uh, your disciplines of Bible reading, fasting, I I will say this, Uh, I heard, I think it was Pastor Rashidi Collins on a podcast a couple of years ago made a statement that kind of made me stop and think, you know, say, hey, wait, that's interesting. Uh, they were talking about fasting, and he said, you better get your fasting done as a single person. And I thought, well, that's odd. Don't we fast? Aren't you supposed to fast after you get married and have kids? But for the majority of us, um, 
will not go into a full-time ministry position. I have a full-time job, secular job. Mm-hmm. But even if you do have a full-time ministry position, if you're a pastor or youth pastor, assistant pastor, music music pastor, um, you know, you have, a, you have a family, you have a routine, you have a schedule. It, it becomes very challenging to fast, especially to go on a long-term fast. Not that you can't do that or shouldn't do that from time to time, but you will also understand whether it's fasting or intense study of scripture or prayer, mm-hmm. you have to change up your, your routine in every new season of life. I thought when after I got married that I would just have the same spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. I mean, my pastor invited me to preach a youth service at the church, and I just started studying like I always did. I'd go to church you know, a few times during that week and spend two or three hours. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, my wife was like, you know, kind of like, Hey, when are you going to the church again to study? You know, what do you, you know, we're going to have dinner. Well, I can't, then I got to go prepare for a message. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was justified until my pastor texted me the second night and said, Hey, you've been up here two nights, you know, spending several hours at a time. You got a new wife at home. You need to go spend time with your wife. And of course I said, yes, sir. And I packed up, went home, mm-hmm. <laughs> but life changes and what i didn't realize is you know the same way that you engage with your spiritual disciplines now as a single person is going to be different when you get married and it's going to be very different when you start having children you're going to have to adjust and adapt and so one of the benefits of being single and this is why i don't necessarily rush people to get married in their late teens and early 20s you have the opportunity of having free time you know of course, you have to answer to your parents and you let them know where you're at and all that stuff. But, um, you know, use this time wisely. Use this time to go very deep in your relationship with God. You know, if you've never went on an extended fast, now is a great time to do it. Because when you start working and you have a full-time job, it's really hard to go three or five days without food and go work a full-time job to support your family. Let me just tell you. <laughs> very challenging. Um, you know, Get deep in the word, get deep in prayer, go on a missions trip. My goodness. Now's the time when you don't have other financial responsibilities, go on a missions trip, you know, go do an AYC trip. Um, you know, if, if you have the opportunity to do an internship, you know, in a local church or somewhere, you know, across the country, wherever it is, you know, take those opportunities, go to as many camps and conventions as you can, because when you start working full time, you only get a certain amount of vacation days and you have to start picking and choosing. Um, you know, take advantage of this time to go as deep as you can in your relationship with God. Not that you can't go deep in your relationship with God when you get married and start having children. You, ha- you just have to learn how to adapt. So I would say, you know, that's one of the benefits of being single is, you know, if you've, if you've been given the, the burden to start a podcast like, like you guys have, do that. Um, God gave me the burden to write a book before I got married. So I wrote a book, you know, whatever it is, use, use this opportunity, use this time God has given you to uh, accomplish those God given desires. Mm. I love that. Cause as young people, I feel like we do rush into things, not just marriage, but just things like dating. And we just don't realize that this is also the time in our lives where we can be yes. used mightily and like, I, uh, I've known many kids that are rushing into marriage. I know many kids that have gotten engaged and stuff like that. And it's just not that God, that's not ordained by God, but like they're doing it to, to just, just to do it. I don't, I don't want to say just to do it, but like they're not taking a use of the time that God has given them right now while they're young to yeah. go to NAYC, NYC and things like that as of right now. And right. like you said, you only get a few vacation days in the year whenever you're working a full-time job. And I feel like as young people, we just like, oh, I have all year, I have all I have my entire life to go to NAYC, NYC, GMC, all that. I have my entire life. You don't have your entire life. Right. You you got you got to work. You got to support a family whenever you grow up. If you're a man, yeah. you got to. Yeah, have kids, you have kids to take care of, and it's just we don't realize our actions down the road are going to affect us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Take advantage of the time you have 
And I'd like to wrap up that thought by saying, <clears throat> I don't want anybody to think that getting married and having kids is a negative thing because mm-hmm. it's quite the opposite, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a much more effective and, and, um, we'll just say effective minister now that I am married and, and have a, a, a little baby girl because mm-hmm. it makes you think about things differently. It helps you start to understand the love of God in new ways. It helps you prioritize your day, schedule your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and having a godly spouse, I, I mentioned God, God giving you the Holy Ghost, the greatest gift. God giving you the pastor is another great gift. But a godly spouse will help you go above and beyond what you can do by yourself. Mm. They can, because, you know, the Bible says, you know, they, a man leaves his father, mother, a woman leaves his father, mother, they become one flesh. Mm-hmm. You become one unit in God. And when you find somebody that, that complements your ministry, not be, not to think that your ministry is the only ministry, but when you're, when you find somebody whose giftings in the spirit complement your giftings in the spirit, you become so much more effective. Um, I'll give you an example. For years and years and years, I would try and pray for people to get the Holy Ghost. And for whatever reason, I could never pray anybody through the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> I just, it just didn't happen. You know, and I thought, man, there's something wrong with me. Do I not have faith? You know, is, is something happening? But when I first met my wife, I was preaching at a, an event in Ohio and she drove down and one of the first, what first times I thought, man, there's something special about this girl is when she was working the altars, praying people through to the Holy ghost. And so as we started dating, got engaged and got married, whenever we would pray for people in the altar, I thought, huh, let me try something. So I'd start praying with somebody to get the Holy ghost and I'd invite her to come over and pray. And she would start coaching them on how to get the Holy ghost. And all I would do is just lay my hands on them and pray in faith, and boom, they'd start praying in tongues. And so, you know, that's just one example of a thousand of how getting married helps you become more effective, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because they have giftings in God. Again, I'm speaking from the perspective of a man, so I'm going to talk about, you know, you know, your spouse being a wife. Your, your wife, your 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 future wife has certain giftings God has given her that he has not given you. Mm-hmm. And so in a way it makes you more effective and it's also humbling because you, you realize that it's not you, it's not your ministry. It's not your abilities. It's God working through you because he's also working through her to accomplish what he, you know, what he chooses not to do in you. And so, um, getting married is, is one of the, it's the second biggest decision of your life. And it's one of the most impactful mm-hmm. and one of the most effective ways to be effective in the kingdom of God. Yeah. I know what you mean. And moving on to our last question. How to get through, how do you, sorry, how to get through the times in your ministry where you feel you're not being used? Yeah, so uh, I think the question you sent me, I really like the way you worded it. You said, how do you get through the dry times in your ministry when you feel like you're not being used? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really, really good question. Um, I would first ask, you know, why are you in a dry season? Um, are you in a dry season because of sin in your life that God has put a stop to things? Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the reason, then you need to repent. You need to get help, like we talked about, and get restored. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, if you're if you're in a dry season where you're not getting a lot of opportunities to to minister or a lot of opportunities to preach, and yet you know, there's not sin in your life. Um, you just have to trust that God has you in the season for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not your right to know the answer of why. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll tell you after, after it's over. But again, you just need to find somewhere where you consistently serve. Mm-hmm. If you're serving in a ministry that doesn't get a lot of attention, but yet that's where you've been giving an oppo- given an opportunity. You need to do it with all your might, whether somebody's watching or not. Mm. Um, personal example, about uh, two and a half years after or before I got married, I had received a lot of opportunities to preach out of state and even within our district. But for whatever reason, to this day, I still don't know why. 
for whatever reason, doing that during that two and a half, two and a half years, uh, my pastor never had me preach at a local church. Mm. And that kind of it's kind of backwards, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> preaching out of state, preaching different youth services, preaching youth revivals, but never preaching my own church. And I I kind of thought is you know something going on is pastor not happy with me there's you know surely he wouldn't let me preach out if if he wasn't happy you know i don't know why well then i got married and it flipped around i didn't get any invitation to preach for about two years but i was preaching at my local church every few months Mm -hmm. and to this day i still don't really know why (laughs) um except that i think when you're first married you know it, those first couple of years are very formative and you need to very, you know, invest a lot of time mm-hmm. in your relationship with your spouse. So maybe that has something to do with it, but I kind of felt a little dry season in both of those times when I was preaching out of state and the times when I was just preaching at the local church, you know, what's, what's going on, you know, I'm not getting the opportunities on both ends that I think I need to. Yeah. Um, but you just stay consistent and that's, I did my best to just stay consistent. Mm -hmm. And I learned things in both of those seasons that now where I'm at in the place of ministry, where we're getting opportunities to both preach locally and outside of our local church, Mm -hmm. those tools and those lessons I learned in both of those different seasons are helping us be way more effective. Yeah. So find a place to serve and serve consistently and serve with gladness. That'll, that'll help you through those dry seasons. Wow. Yes, and that is true because whenever you are in a dry season, it's like it feels like you're, I don't want to say by yourself because we know we're not by ourselves, but it feels like it. It feels like everyone right. everyone around you is just, they're like background characters. They don't really, they're not understanding what you're going through. They don't understand like what your ministry means. And like you just need to understand that we – not we, but people are there to help you or placed in your life to help you through the dry seasons and through the seasons where it's not dry, when it, yes. where it's plentiful. And I feel like as young people, we just go through the dry season. We're like, boo-hoo, boo-me. I feel like I'm all alone. And we're just – I got to a point a little while ago where I was like, why? Why me? Why did you choose me to do this? And then I was like I, – I had to catch myself. I was like, why you? And I was like, did you not realize what he did for you? He died on a cross for you. And you're over here saying, why am I going through this whenever it's not hurting exactly. at all? Why am I going through this? No, you don't You don't oh, get to say why. You don't get to say why. He's the, he's the one that died on the cross for you, for your sins, for, Amen. You, for the one that you committed. So I had to catch myself. I was like, why am I saying why, why me? Excuse me. I'm saying why me? Whenever I'm just going through a dry time in my in my ministry, but I just need to realize that I'm I'm been prophesied to. I realize that I need to yes. go deeper. And I feel like people that have been prophesied to, they just think it's going to happen. They just think, oh, I've been sure. prophesied to. I'm, I'm going to be a preacher no matter what happens. No. You, if you don't put in the time and effort, then it's not going to happen. If you don't put in yeah. the prayer hours, you don't put into the fasting, like you said, the, the extended fast then it's not going to happen. You can't just you can't go into a job interview, not know nothing about it, and then be like, you better hire me. I know you're going to hire me. No, that's not how that works. You got to put in the time. You got to put in the effort. You got to apply. And then you got to do all this stuff. And then you get the job. You can't just, like you said, your pastors, your pastor and your pastor's wife, they waited a little bit to put you on the platform after they knew you were called because exactly. they wanted to see that you that you wanted it, that you wanted to chase after God. And Amen. You hit the nail on the head, Brother Braxton. That's so good. Well, guys, that's all okay. we have for today. Thank you, Brother Samuel, for coming on. We love you. We love what you did at Camp Yada. Actually, I want to talk to I want to talk about that for a little bit. Yes, sir. My favorite sermon was by you, the Song of the Serpent. Oh my Lord, Lord God, have you did you hit it on the nail on the coffin like you just said? Oh my God. That was one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my entire life. That Brother, you're too kind. I appreciate that. Thank that you. That has changed my life because just the way that you announced like what to do and like you were like you you don't you didn't make them like text their youth pastor and say, Hey, I'm dealing with this. You're like, No, just say, Hey, 
I lifted my hands. I need help. I need help. Yeah. And that's just some of the hardest yeah. things for not just young men, but young women as well to admit that they need help. And I just, yes. I would like to talk to that about that for a little bit before we get off this. What was yes, preparation for that? And like, how long did you know that oh, this is what God wants me to preach? Yeah. Um, first of all, I, I appreciate that, man. I give God all the praise. Mm-hmm. Um, and what might sound funny is in, in being in ministry, you probably can relate, but that was the sermon I actually felt the least confident about going into camp mm. because I, it was the most underdeveloped and it's a message that not that any message you don't have to rely on the Holy ghost, but it was one of those things that if, if God doesn't show up, it's going to fall flat. You know? Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, and so I, I honestly in my flesh was quite nervous about it and had several people praying I had talked to several ministers, first of all, my pastor. Um, uh, I had talked to different ministers that actually had preached Camp Yada before to get their input about it, that they were familiar with the camp and, you know, the culture of the campers and everything. But, brother, it's, uh, you know, and if anybody, you know, wants to talk more about it offline, I'm happy to, to, to talk mm-hmm. with them. But when it comes to young people, whether you're aspiring to be in ministry or not, um, temptation comes and knocks on everybody's front door. Yeah. Young men, young lady, it doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> we've all been there and it's, you know, it's a strong issue that we struggle with. Mm-hmm. And as a young person, I struggled with it mightily. And, mm-hmm. um, like you said, the hardest thing about getting help is, it's just simply asking, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I felt the Lord in prayer, the main reason I had been asked to come to camp um, was to build a bridge and start a conversation between the student and either the student pastor or their, their local pastor. Yeah. Um, and so I felt, you know, the two hardest things is to admit you have a problem and to ask for help, right? So mm-hmm. that's how I wanted to architect that altar call was to, you know, confess mm-hmm. to God to in repentance. Hey, you know, raise your hand if you're struggling with this, you know, build that, that if you take one step of courage, it'll help you take another step. So I was trying to build that momentum mm-hmm. and then, you know, ask for help. And, and again, I, I wasn't there to, you know, specifically tell them to lay everything out in a text or, you know, to ask them to do something like go up, walk up to their preacher, their pastor right there and, and kind of lay everything out. Mm-hmm. All I want to do is get a conversation started. And um, <clears throat> I thank God that, that uh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Um, I thank God that the students responded. Um, it was evident in the altar call. I honestly, at the beginning of the sermon, had no idea what the altar call was going to be like, which, you know, you typically start a sermon, you build it with the altar call in mind. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really know where it was going to go. I didn't know if we were going to dismiss after everybody texted their their spiritual leadership or if there was going to be worship or dancing. I had no idea, but, um, to give you an idea of, of what God did in that service, Bo, I talked to one youth leader who said that out of, I think eight young people, young men that texted him out of eight, I think like six or seven said that they needed help with something. Mm. So, if you just take that as a sample size, you realize how hard it is to be a young person in this culture and how many of them are struggling silently. Mm. And yeah. we can, you know, I, I just want to say this and I'll be done. If you are struggling with something <clears throat> and you are too ashamed to get help, <clears throat> you have listened to the song of the serpent. Mm-hmm. You have allowed Satan to isolate you from the body of Christ, to isolate isolate yourself from people who love you mm-hmm. and want you to get better, who are not going to judge you, but who are going to love you with compassion and guide you and disciple you back to a place of repentance and restoration. So just if you're struggling with something, don't allow Satan to, to, to trick you into thinking that you're alone. Mm-hmm. Because your best life is on the other side of reaching out and starting a conversation. Mm-hmm. So 
do it today. Don't wait. Don't let. Don't allow yourself to talk yourself into. I'll do it later because you'll talk yourself out of it. Do it today. Get help today. God loves you. Your pastor loves you. God wants you to be better. We want you to be better. Mm-hmm. We love you in Jesus' name. Just, just, just do it. In Jesus' name. Well, that was powerful. Thank you, Brother Vaughn. Thank. We are really appreciative of you. Uh, appreciative that you would come on here. We thank you. And yes, guys, sir. that's all we have for today. See you with the verse of the day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we're back with the verse today. JJ. This verse is Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. This verse is very powerful because I feel like now, especially in the times we're living in, we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. If you're looking for Brother Samuel's book, it's called It Filled the House. It's available on Amazon, and it's available on ebook, and also a hardback cover. It will be linked in the description. We love you guys. Have a good day. Until next time.